On today's episode of the Hoop Scoop, me and Jake get into how the NBA will look when it comes back. Will it be in Disney? And what will the playoff structure look like? We also get into our title contenders from both the East and the West. We have a few dark horses in there. Then we get into the best Robins in NBA history, meaning the best number two guys. We go over our picks. If you want to express your opinions, be sure to check us out on Quick Takes on Instagram. Comment on our most recent post about the hoop scoop, that is. And we'll give you some feedback. So anyways, here we go. Buckle up. Hoop Scoop's next. All right. So getting into it for today's episode of the Hoop Scoop, we've had a little more news come out in the past week about some potential returns to play for the NBA once they do get around to that, if and when that happens. So there's been a lot of different ideas floated around by owners, uh, Commissioner Silver, um, a lot of the NBA media members. None are really too formal yet, but one thing they're looking at is going into the playoffs right away with an extended uh, 10 teams per conference, so 20-team playoff. So with that in mind, they would either potentially reseed and just do um, a 1 through 20 league-wide without considering conferences, or they might still keep it to conferences. But either way, getting into that, we decided we'd take a look at some of the top title contenders going into the playoffs, um, just based on where the regular season has been at, but also considering some of the uh, abnormal things that go into it this year, such as no fans and the layoff that's been going on. So who do you have as your top title contender? All right. So starting in the West for me, the number one title contender in my eyes is the Lakers. As LeBron is nearing the end of his career to what I believe he's going to really be gutting it out and trying to get a championship. You've seen that he's had conversations with Silver. He wants a season account, and he wants him to come back. That's because they have so much tied into this team, Jake. And also, if you look at the stars around him, beyond Davis, it's a very, very old crew. The average, they have the average, oldest average age out of any roster in the NBA, Jake. So yeah. I'm buying into the veteran talent that's around LeBron, and I'm buying into them probably being the champion for this year. So that's an interesting one. For my top one in the West and actually top contender in the whole league, I have the Clippers, the other team in L.A., obviously. So I do agree the Lakers have a lot to play for, probably the most of anyone. LeBron is still at the top of the league, but no matter how good of shape he stays in, that's not going to last forever. So I do know once the season comes back, they'll be gunning for it really hard. I just see the Clippers as the deeper team. They're 2-1 and one against the Lakers on the air in the three games they've played. And I just think I think they're a more versatile team. Um, the fact that they have Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and Marcus Morris, obviously not nearly as good of a player, but just as a forward who can try and match up on LeBron, no one's going to completely stop LeBron, but I think they have a lot of guys who can wear him down, and that's just going to make it so much harder for LeBron. And I think their supporting cast around them is better. What um, about the uh, low post presence, the Clippers' low post presence on Anthony Davis? What do you think of that? That, that's actually the only reason I see the Lakers as having a chance. Um, I think the Clippers are much, much better and deeper team. They, don't, they have more scoring. Lakers don't have guys like Lou Williams or Vontrez uh, Harrell off the bench. But the problem is the, the one thing the Clippers don't have an answer to is Anthony Davis. They don't really have that at all. So Davis is by far the best big man. But even going for, further than that, Guys like Javal McGee, Dwight Howard, they're not stars. They're not dominant players, but they're just big bodies that the Clippers don't really have. They have Zubac, who's their only real center who gets minutes. And I don't really think 
he can really compete that much in the paint consistently. So that might be where the Lakers can try and expose the Clippers. But I just think the Clippers' overall depth advantage and ability to score outweighs that. That's why I give them a slight edge. Yeah, and I think any NBA fan, and I know especially myself, I feel like we're cheated out of uh, a Clippers versus Lakers, probably Western Conference Finals, because I think that would just be a legendary series. Yeah, especially the battle for LA. Each mm-hmm. game being in the Staples Center, seven seven straight games there, that would have been something really cool. I mean, we might get something similar to that, but it obviously won't be the same without fans. So we definitely did. That would have been one of the coolest series ever in NBA basketball, probably. Yeah. So my number two for championship contenders in the West, that is, is the Denver Nuggets. Now you hmm. might add, well, we just had a whole conversation on how you think the Western Conference is going to be Lakers versus Clippers. But... I think the Nuggets are a slept-on team. I think they're a very deep team. And I think they can actually cause a, a lot of ruckus for the Clippers, considering their low-post presence, the Joker, Jokic. So mm-hmm. I, I think he can really – he facilitates the offense for as much as you can see. He, he's a real stud of a player. And so I think he could cause a lot of issues for the, um, for the Clippers. And the Denver Nuggets also have a pretty deep bench there. And they have young scoring talents. So it would be very interesting how that would – coincide with one another yeah they are they're they're an underrated team um just having two good teams in la and both with a ton of star power a lot of the good teams in the western conference have been overlooked but the nuggets are definitely a deep team they got a lot of good players um jamal murray's been having another good year they have even michael porter second year rookie he's kind of like the ben simmons rookie he hasn't got always consistent minutes but when he has he's looked really good mm-hmm. so they got a lot of they got a lot of good players they're deep um, but my, my number two contender is the Lakers. Like I said, I do think whoever can win the battle for LA will win the Western conference, but the, the nuggets are definitely a team that people need to take seriously. Lakers though, like you said, I think they have a couple of things working for them for one where it matters so much for them this year. And also they have a lot of experience. LeBron's been there before. I mean, before he moves to the Lakers last year, he'd been to the finals eight straight years. And I just think if it does come down to a series with a team like the Nuggets that's so inexperienced and hasn't been there before, that's going to be too much for them to overcome. But I, I definitely agree with you that that's a, a, a deep team that people need to take seriously. So would I be correct in uh, understanding that your number one and number two uh, championship picks for the West are um, the Clippers and the Lakers in that order? De- yes, definitely. All right. So moving on to my East side, this is where things get interesting because the East is a little bit more open than uh, Mm -hmm. than the West is. But I think the consensus number one championship contender out of the East or anyone that could actually come up with um, the Larry O'Brien trophy would be the Bucs. They've looked like a wagon this year. They might have given up at a few different spots and so showed a few different chinks in the armor and their record might be inflated because of the East fodder there at the the bottom of the standings. But I really do think that the Bucs have a really well-developed team around Giannis, and I think he's got a very, very good uh, coach over there too. So it would be interesting to see. I don't think they'd they'd win the championship per se, but I think that's the best chance the East has at making a decent run against one of the LA teams. Yeah, I I don't see. I mean, there's some teams that can make some noise, but I don't see any team beating the Bucs out of the East. Um, The scary thing is as good as they've been this year and how much Giannis has seemed to really gain a lot of steam for going for a second straight MVP title a lot of games he doesn't even have to play there's a lot of games he barely tops 30 minutes because they're up by a good amount in the third quarter early fourth 
So they, they were, they were literally running through the East before um, the season got put on hold. Chris Middleton is a really underrated number two star who can, I think there's a, it, that's one thing that'll be interesting is Middleton answering um, some of the pressure in the playoffs, because we've seen at points Giannis can get not exposed, but slow down. If you put someone it's, it's easy to say because there's or hard to say because there's almost no one can do this, but someone who can athletically slow him down like Kawhi did, he didn't really have the answers for that last playoffs. And I think another year of Middleton developing where when Giannis is struggling, he can step up for the scoring. I think that makes the Bucks that much better. And they are deep. They're very well coached with Coach yeah. Bud. And I think they're the best in the East. It would be interesting to see who comes out of the East and that side of things. Obviously, I believe it's Milwaukee. If I was to choose a number uh, two, to come out of the East, it'd have to be the Boston Celtics. Now, people might ask, well, why not the Toronto Raptors? And I have an answer for that. More star power. When it comes mm-hmm. down to the playoffs, it comes down to a guy who can make that final shot. We've seen Kemba Walker do it time in and time out, obviously with his, his patented UConn win the national championship <laughs> shot, mm-hmm. which Brad Wanamaker was uh, allowed him to do. In fact. <laughs> but I, yeah, I think the Celtics would be the number two in that operation. And it's not just me being a Celtics fan. It's me looking at the whole scenario and the Raptors having some chinks in the armor where coming down to the last shot, they, they kind of fumble it at, at times. Whereas I believe the Celtics can have really flourished in those moments with Kemba Walker and Jason Tatum for that matter. Hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with what a lot of what you're saying. I do have the Raptors as the biggest threat to the Bucs um, for a couple of reasons. I just think they're a really deep team. They got almost at every position, two quality players. Um, another thing that's very important is they proved they can do it before. Obviously, it was with Kawhi, who is a top five player in the league. He's no longer there. But it's a championship-tested team. And even though they lost a lot of the skill with Kawhi, that, that DNA is still there. And they got a lot of good veterans. Um, Gasol and Ibaka mm-hmm. um, in the paint is really – that, those are some good guys to anchor your paint. And then Lowry – Last year, he, he stepped up in big moments. And Kawhi leaving has allowed for Pascal Siakam to develop into more of um, – he's heading towards becoming a star. He made the All-Star game this year. He's a starter. So he provides – And Fleet has made another huge – and continued his huge run as well. He has. And they got, they got a lot of they, – they're really good at scouting and drafting and just player development. Nick Nurse um, gets a lot of credit for the fact that they lost Kawhi and they, they didn't really miss a beat this year. We'll see if that stays – the same in the playoffs, but they haven't missed a beat so far in the regular season. And that's because they find players, undrafted players or guys that fall in the draft and develop them. Like for example, one this year is Terrence Davis. His stats don't jump out at you. He's only averaging eight points a game, but that's in limited minutes. A few times when some of their starters were hurt, he stepped up. He got 30 points this year in one game when he did get the minutes. So I just think their depth is a good counter for the Celtics who do have the star power. But one thing they do lack is the depth. And I think that's where, in a playoff series where stars are a big part of it, but when they're getting their rest or when they are taking a few minutes off, I think the Raptors' depth will just overcome that. But it, they're, they're neck and neck. That would be a good series to see. Yeah, so am I correct in understanding that uh, your number one and number two would be Milwaukee Bucks at number one and the Toronto Raptors at number two? That's correct, but I'm not as confident as I am with uh, the West one and two being uh, the two LA teams. Yeah, so rounding out this um, conversation here, Jake, looking at Adam Silver's, I would presume, coming up decision here about what, what the rest of the NBA season will look like, a lot of players have been very vocal about what they want the rest of the NBA season to show up as. They said, like, if, if the playoffs stay as is, right, 
they just play a few tune-up games against uh, teams that don't have a playoff chance in some scenarios. A lot of the mm-hmm. stars in those non-competing teams have said, I'm just going to sit out. I'm not going to play those games. I'm not going to risk it. I'm not going to bring my whole operation down there to presumably Orlando, Florida, and Disney to just play a few meaningless games. And to add to that, if you check out our interview with Steve Holman, BCT Sports on the Quick Takes Network, he has said that he's very confident the NBA format will be the same playoff format, but it's going to be uh, eight or five, eight to five tune-up games beforehand. Hmm. Now he said the question surrounding those tune-up games would be, who are these people, who are these uh, teams going to face? Are they going to face only playoff contenders and then everyone else who isn't a playoff contender is going to go home? Or what, what's the deal with that? So that's going to be an interesting aspect of it, but he wholeheartedly believes the NBA will be coming back in most likely mid-July. He didn't say that mid-July, but I think mid-July um, in, mm-hmm. in Orlando. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. He thinks the playoffs will be the same from someone who's so in tune to the league. Because I do think that's something they value a lot, keeping the integrity of a four-round, four-game pre-series format. Mm-hmm. And as far as the tune-ups, I do agree that not all the teams have incentives if you're out of it. Uh, most recently, Damian Lillard said, unless the Trailblazers have a real chance to make the playoffs, he's going to be sitting on the bench for those games. But I think these guys, it's, it's a selfish point of view. I, I understand it, but these guys also aren't just competitors. They're not just basketball players. They're they're guys who get paid to do this and the league is in a tough spot. So if they're, they're trying to find the best of a bunch of unideal situations as far as how to return to play. And if that involves some of the teams who might not be heading for the playoffs, having to be involved for some tune-up games, you get paid really well to do this. So even if it's not ideal and you're going down there just to eventually play a couple meaningless games and then bow out of the regular season before the playoffs start, it, as long as the NBA deems that it's healthy, and that's a different subject, but mm-hmm. if it is fully healthy and, well, they have a good policy in place for testing players, and they just just because of a lack of interest or because it's not relevant to them, still decide to sit out, that, that, that's not a good look, especially as a star player who's supposed to be a leader. Yeah, and I'm going to resort back to the Last Dance documentary where Jordan said he did it for the fans, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people like saying like, why, why'd you have to put up 50 points on like a random night or really gut out a regular season win when particular is meaningless. You still have the number one seed wrapped up. And he's like, you play for the fans. And people like Damian Lillard, who have came out and said, I just sit out if I have to play one of these meaningless games. That, that's, a, that, that's a bit of a knock against him because like, don't you realize like people are in a situations and where we just want to see content. We want to get back to normal. And one of those things that came back to normal is having sports on a regular basis and, and not having it full Voltron and not having it all the players that you want to see and them choosing not to play goes a big knock against them. And I, I think that's a little bit tone deaf. Would you agree? I agree. And I agree that they should care about the fans, especially in a time like this when everyone collectively is just it not like this has benefited no one. Nobody has been happy with anything that's gone on the past few months. But even if you want to look at it just from a personal perspective, from a player's perspective, you the NBA takes their TV money and divides it between the 30 teams. So if you want to get paid for as much, get as much of your salary back as you can, despite this abnormal season, you would think you'd be playing and giving the ratings that the TV, like that the networks pay for in order to do that. Um, like even if it's not necessarily a game that matters, star players will draw more people. And that's what's pay, paying these contracts 
So it's just any, any angle you look at it, it just, it just doesn't seem smart unless, I mean, there's been players who've talked about it from a health perspective and that, that, like I said, is different, but if you're just because of not caring, cause your team's not in it anymore. I mean, why don't, why don't you just say that every year game 70, if you're eliminated, why don't you just start sitting out? I just think that's a selfish look. And like you said, fans, fans want to see basketball come back. And I think the players should be into it as long as it's safe. Yeah, so wrapping up this comment here, Jake, or this topic, I should say, the NBA has largely been a player's league, right? LeBron mm-hmm. has ushered in the players making a lot of big decisions or at least forcing a lot of the owners and owner and uh, higher-ups' hands in certain situations. This is the only time, I think, that when push comes to shove, that the owners and the executives really need to come down hard on the players and say, listen, if you want to get that money, if you want to get the same contracts, if you want to have the same power that you wield now, you're going to have to take a quick knock here. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm uh, a fan of some of the player empowerment that's happened because seeing such rapid uh, like team rosters changing because of stars moving, it's been cool. But I agree that in, in this case, the owners and Commissioner Silver has to lead by example and be like, this is what we're doing for your salaries, for the fans, for TV ratings, for every benefit, and for eventually getting to a playoff format that, most of the teams are in favor of that will be making it for any angle you look at it it's we get we got to get out there and play these games so i think that's that comes from the leadership from the league office itself and the owners all right so getting into the second topic here jake we're going to break down the best number two stars ever the best right hand mans in our opinion so jake i'll let you take it away what's your number one Okay, so there's a lot of different ways you can go with this um, question, depending on how you define a number two star or what's most important, uh, winning or who their number one star is. But this might be bias coming just from the last dance, but I'm going to go with Scottie Pippen. Um, Just watching that and how he took so much pressure off Jordan by just being a, a beastly defender. If they were facing a star in the other team, Scottie Pippen would just go out there and harass them every night and be the defensive leader along with being a pretty good number two scorer. Um, he did everything that was needed. He never let his ego really get in the way all that much either up till the end um, where you can blame him or not. But either way, they, they were just focused on winning. He was a, he was a great defender, athletic player. Um, and Jordan was in the league. Yes, he was young, but he was in the league and didn't really do too much until Scotty got there. Mm-hmm. So that's overall just um, based off his defense um, how much he supported Jordan and well, how well he compliments Jordan. That's who I'd go with as the number one, just ultimate number two star. Yeah, so my number two star, and I think Pippen is an obvious and great choice in my eye, is John Stockton. Obviously, mm-hmm. he's playing second fiddle in the ultimate setup man to Carl Malone there in Utah. Stockton, the um, assist leader in NBA history. I mean, he's, he's the foreman. He's the floor general. What, what right-hand man would you not want to be your for, the foreman in the, in the floor general in that situation? So I think John Stockton is an obvious choice in my eye. And him just setting up offenses and just really progressing the Utah Jazz, which was a good team, but, made, but then came to become a great team and actually give Jordan a lot of difficulties in that finals was particularly interesting. And I think, I think Stockton is a, is a clear choice for a number two star. And that's a good one because it's not a coincidence that Malone is second all-time in scoring, which is incredible. I feel like that doesn't get enough attention. And as a kind of byproduct of that, Stockton's the all-time assist leader. So they, it was, it, they both fed off each other. Um, Stockton's passing and Malone's scoring, they went hand-in-hand. Hand. 
So that's a, that's a really good choice. But for my number two star, I went with Dwayne Wade. This one is tough because Dwayne Wade was a number one for a good portion of his career, almost 10 years by the time LeBron came and joined him on the Heat. And it wasn't like he just completely always deferred to LeBron, but he was clearly the second best player and he made sacrifices in order for that big three era within Miami to work. And they went to their four years together. They went to the finals every year. They won two of them. And Wade made a lot of sacrifices. He was still an elite player, but between him aging or not, not aging, but injuries starting to accelerate how fast he aged. And the fact that no matter who you were, you weren't better than LeBron. He, he, he was pretty selfless. Um, even when they signed, uh, the big all three of them to contracts in order to make it work Wade who had been their franchise player for again almost a decade took a pay cut in order for LeBron and Bosch to sign and they just had so many signature moments <clears throat> it's the the pictures of Wade where he's um, running under the basket after tossing a lob to LeBron it just it it go it, I feel like he sums up a number two man perfectly he um when LeBron needed some scoring Wade could do it LeBron was the best player but I think Wade did everything they needed while still being a top 10 player in the league at the time. And I think for the, that reason, combined with the fact that two titles in four years, four finals appearances, makes him a pretty good number two star. Yeah, so um, talking about a guy that has talked down to Wade and most recently with uh, is Paul Pierce. I think <laughs> he is a great number two star. I think it's without a question, Kevin Garnett was the biggest cog and that turned the big three wheels in that 08 finals for the Celtics. I think Pierce is the perfect as another great number two for the fact that you just mentioned that Wade sacrificed a lot to get LeBron there and play second fiddle to him, right? Mm -hmm. I don't think Pierce sacrificed anything, really. I think he flourished even more yeah. so when Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen got there because it opened so many different avenues for him. So that's why I look at the number two star, the second fiddle, as just like I said with Stockton, adding players around them and certain stars that they played with, they all elevated to a different degree. So that's why I have him. Yeah, again, that's a good one because Pierce did just elevate his game. He'd been there for a while, and then they added Garnett and Allen, and it's like they just, they just flipped a switch. 66 and 16 first year, finals first year, and Pierce was just happy to do it with the team he'd always been on. So I definitely agree with that. And going into my third pick, this one was tough because – Again, like I said, going into it, it just depends on how you define it. I think there were some better second-best players on a team, but I wouldn't really define them as number two stars. Like, for instance, a few Lakers examples, Magic and Kareem, I didn't really want to get into picking who was the first or second star. Same with Shaq and Kobe. It was pretty much like a 1A, 1B scenario. Mm -hmm. So if we're going strictly off two, I'm going to go with another guy who played second fiddle to LeBron with Kyrie Irving. Um, it wasn't too long of a time they played together, but – Man, in those couple of years that they played together, it, it, was, it, was, pretty, it was pretty amazing. Um, that 2016 finals where they came back from 3-1, that was some of the most amazing just two guys willing a team to victory that I, I've ever seen. Um, yeah, and I, I think it goes overlooked that Kyrie Irving did a lot to alleviate the pressure off of LeBron. Even at such a young age and still being on a rookie contract, he did a lot to alleviate LeBron. He did, and... I mean, the, the biggest shot, LeBron had the block in that game seven against the Warriors, but the, the game-winning shot with about a minute left came from Kyrie on that crazy three he hit out over Curry. Mm -hmm. um, in one of the games, to get to the game seven, they both put up 41. So they were just both beasts in that series. 
and almost for that on its own just really like makes me elevate uh my thinking of Kyrie you know the past few years he hasn't made himself look too good especially as a Celtics fan and following Boston so closely it ended badly here it hasn't been a great start in the Nets but if you just put all that to the side and talk about what a two guy is especially with a guy like LeBron who likes to he can score 30 whenever he wants but he's also a guy who passes a lot and facilitates to just have a complete cold-blooded scorer next to him like Kyrie was that was the perfect number two guy for LeBron and it, it worked out by beating re- record-wise 73-9 the best team ever while being down 3-1 in the series that's that's one of the most amazing accomplishments ever yeah and I, I think that was a great choice by you with Kyrie Irving but my final choice here is going to be Clay Thompson I think he is a great second fiddle I think if you put him on any roster on any team in the NBA, I should, I should add, he's going to be outstanding. He's just that complete of a player. He yeah. plays solid defense. He knows how to run a system offense that's very complex, and he can shoot the lights out the gym. So I think Clay Thompson is an excellent second fiddle to Stephen Curry because he, he always gets himself open, and he always seems to make the big shot. Yeah, Clay Thompson really is – you said it best. He, he fits good on any team. There's no team – that doesn't want a guy who can move without the ball, shoot ridiculously high percentage from three, and play good defense. And despite that, he's also a microwave. He has two of the craziest performances I've ever seen. 37 points in a single quarter, an NBA record. And then he also dropped 60 points a couple years back, and he didn't play the fourth. 60 points in three quarters. So for that being a number two guy who's not even selfish and doesn't need the ball that much to score, that's perfect next to Curry. I, I, I like that one a lot. And also, he scored 45 points in a second half, only on eight dribbles. Yeah, he, eight. he can score without the ball. That's, that's perfect next to Curry, who's dribbling all the time. Yeah, so th- those are my three. It's Stockton, Pierce, Thompson. Jake had uh, Pippen, Kyrie, and Wade. I think those are some really good best two stars ever. If you have contradicting ideas or agree with ideas, please let us know at the Quick Takes Instagram when this podcast goes up. So. Definitely. I think that uh, can conclude the Hoop Scoop episode for this week, Jake. I think it was a great discussion. What contenders do we think will come back this season? When, well, what contenders do we think are going to be going for the Larry O'Brien Trophy when the season comes back with the Clippers, the Lakers, the Celtics, the Bucks, or even the Toronto Raptors and the Nuggets? So those are our topics for this week's Hoop Scoop. We'll be back next week, hopefully, with another character in the studio here. We'll see what we'll see who it adds, but his name might be PJ. We'll see what happens here. <laughs> Jake, I, I thank you for doing this this show. You did a wonderful job of setting it up, and uh, we'll be back next week. Later. Definitely looking forward to it.